Hello, it's the second edition of the Red Brick Football Podcast. Uh, this week is an international break, which is everyone's least favourite time of the year. Um, I'm joined with a few different guests today. Um, on my right is Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Hi. <laughs> on my left is Harry. Hello. You recognise those two from the last podcast. And we have a new addition this week. Is Nathan. Say hello, Nathan. Hello, everyone. Who do you support, Nathan? I support Man United. Okay. <sighs> As we could tell from your accent, it's 50-50. Um, Nicola is also in the office, uh, but she, she's just milling around. She might join in, but um, so you might hear her from the background. I'll have to turn up her volume. Um, this week, there's been no Premier League, which is really depressing. But we have had football, uh, whether we think it's good football or not, remains to be seen. Um, I'm just going to round up some of the results from this week. Uh, Italy and Spain drew one all and retained their records of not losing World Cup qualifiers. Italy for 10 years, Spain for 23 years, because they drew. Uh, France won 4-1 at Bulgaria. Uh, Griezmann and Gamero both scoring, and that's Atletico Madrid's strike partnership. Uh, Ronaldo scored four as Portugal beat Andorra 6-0. Iceland beat both Finland and Turkey. Uh, Finland with 90th and 97th minute goals. Uh, Germany won 3-0 against Czech Republic, so they're back on track. Spain beat Albania 2-0 with Costa and Nolito goals, representing the Premier League. And Italy had a nervy win over Macedonia with Kiro Immobile rescuing all three points for Italy. Um, I want to play a little game with you guys. Basically, Belgium beat Bosnia 4-0, and there were three Premier League players who scored. Who were they? Lukaku? Yeah, that's one. Benteke? Nope. Alderweireld. Alderweireld scored, yeah. One more. Come on, Belgian Premier League players, guys. Wasn't Fellaini? No. Tongan? No. Minile? No. That would have been impressive. Hazard, there we go. Oh, well wow. done, Nancy. Um, and one, player, one Premier League player got carded. Can we guess who that was? Delaney. There we go. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> um, England played this week as well. Um, and it's nice to see them back, obviously. <laughs> Gareth Southgate in charge uh, as Sam Allardyce had that whole thing that we don't need to talk about on this podcast. Um, I want to first talk about the England squad. What does everyone think about the squad? Do we like it? Yeah, it's alright, innit? Like, it doesn't really matter, does it, at the moment? <laughs> to be fair, it's just like, you know, give people a chance, like, who don't usually play us, you know. That's okay. what I think. Talking about happen. people who don't normally have a chance, Michael Keane, in for Glenn Johnson, uh, the Burnley defender. Do we like him? Uh, yeah, I do like Michael Keane. I mean, Last week, Harry said something interesting about the England squad, in which we shouldn't just be picking players because they're having good form for the average Premier League size. You know, people talk about Mark Noble last year, but look at the way West Ham performed this year. Um, but one, for me, that particularly stands out is Troy Deeney. I think he should be given a chance in the England squad. I really do. Um, but in terms of Keane, yeah, I mean, if he gets given a chance, it'd be nice to see because he's been on good form for Burnley and they've, you know, been quite impressive, especially at home since returning to the Premier League. So, you know, I have a lot of hope for him as well. I agree with Deeney, to be fair. I think he's the kind of player England missing. He's got a bit about him, you know, even though he's a Blues fan and he did humiliate Villa and celebrated for the whole time last year. I'll forgive him for that. But, like, I think he's what England are missing, to be fair. 
someone with that kind of personality. Hundred Um, do we think Glenn Johnson should have been in it at all anyway? No. 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 <laughs> just say no. So he hadn't yeah. played for England for two years. Uh, hasn't exactly been in great form in his part of a Stoke defence that concedes goals <laughs> for fun. Um, so if anything, it's a blessing that he got injured. Sorry, Glenn Johnson. Wow. Um, <laughs> Raheem <laughs> Sterling also got injured, uh, which means Andros Townsend came in. Do we like Andros Townsend as a pick? He's okay. Uh, he's still got to prove himself to me. You know, he, he burst onto the scene when he was scoring goals for QPR, was it? When they was, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, he was okay for Spurs sometimes and then he'd drop off. And so hopefully this, this season with Palace he'll you know, improved on his game, but I don't have a problem with him playing. You know, England have struggled with wingers, we know that. Um, and if Townsend gets a chance and impresses, then I have no problem with him being in the squad. Definitely, yeah. There was a time where he was like the next Gareth Bale at Spurs, mm. just mm. like a period of about three months. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's one of those players, he always performs well for England. Was it he scored that um, yeah. late equaliser against Italy? Was it Italy? Yeah, yeah. I, I always remember that. So, yeah, maybe there's nothing wrong with him playing, to be fair, in that team. Talking about wingers, uh, Jesse Lingard and Mikel Antonio both made the cut, uh, and Lingard played against Malta. Do we like either of those players? Mikel Antonio's been in quite good form this season. Yeah, he's an aerial threat, isn't he, Antonio? <coughs> yeah. Just that he scored like, he's like eight or nine headers, something like that. Crazy. And from playing right back, basically. I think he's playing, he's playing further upfield for West Ham this year, but I think he's definitely should be in the team. Definitely. I quite like Lingard. I think if you give him time, like let him get into the flow of playing senior international football, I think he's, I reckon he'll be alright. Okay. Um, he played against Malta, so shall we move on to the actual game? Uh, Malta 176 in the UEFA <laughs> ranking, um, so we should be beating them. Where England now? Good question, probably 176. <laughs> um, we did beat them 2-0. Um, there's a lot of negativity in the national press this week, um, saying we should have won 4 or 5-0. It wasn't as good as people think. Um, do we agree with that? Typical England result. Yeah, yeah ever win 4 or 5-0. Mm. Like, you could probably expect it if they've done it consistently over the years, but when was the last time we won 4 or 5-0? Thing is, even if England do win four or five 0 like against San Marino in the last qualification when we beat them six 0 ever, we're still boring. There's no, there's no. If you're England and you're winning games, you still somehow manage to play boring football. That's what everyone says, and it's a shame, really. Obviously, a two 0 win against Malta is not going to get anyone excited. But I don't think even a six 0 win would have done. To be honest, I really don't. Okay. Well, I think the main problem is that Malta come to Wembley and play ten players behind the ball. Um, so you're not going to beat them 5 or 6 nil, even if you try. Uh, Scotland put 5 past them, uh, but that was at Malta, and you'd think that Malta maybe set up a bit more offensively against Scotland. Yeah, no disrespect yeah. to them. Um, watching the game, there was absolutely no intent from Malta at all to score. So I actually don't think 4 or 5 nil would ever really have happened. And Italy played them twice and only won 1 nil each time. So I don't think it's as bad as we think. Um... Bertrand came off injured pretty early and was replaced by Rose. I think Rose is actually better than Bertrand anyway, so I think he should be starting. What do you guys think? Shots fired. <laughs> I love Bertrand. Oh, um, I don't know, though. Like, um, I always think Kieran Gibbs should get a 
more of a looking than he does. Well, he's in but now he's the first that was injured. Yeah, it's not um, exactly the same brass, I suppose. But there's not much between them, to be fair. Yeah. I think mm. Rose is slightly better, um, but still, Birch, another year, like a few years ago, maybe. Mm. Well. I just After don't think you goal. can look past the fact that Rose is part of one of the best defenders in the Premier League. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got a good final ball as well, his crossing is excellent. Yeah, Bertrand's won the Champions League. <laughs> yep, very true. <laughs> and that's what you look for in yeah. managers like Roberto Di Matteo as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, both our goals, no, not both our goals, two of what should have been goals came from crosses from Jordan Henderson. The first one's to Ali, who's had to illustrate the keeper, and then Sturridge failed to um, follow up. And then the second one was to Sturridge, who did put it in the bottom corner. Um, what do we think of Henderson as a holding midfielder? Well, as you just mentioned then about Henderson's crosses, one of my favourite goals, actually, um, was from a Henderson cross, which was years ago when he was playing at Sunderland. And they played at, when he played for Sunderland, they played away at Wigan, and he crossed the ball into giant to Jan, Asmo, Jan, yeah. and um, it was just one of the most wonderful crosses. So just touching on that, I, you know, I do think he's got that ability, and look, he's had a fantastic season for Liverpool. Um, I wasn't sure about calling him man of the match after the game. I mean, I don't know, I couldn't pick anyone out myself particularly, but I, I certainly think he's he's been a very uh, well. He's performed very well for Liverpool this year, and um, I think as far as trying to pick a CDM for England. I wouldn't pick Rooney, and you know you're struggling from there on in. So I think Henderson gets there straight away. On Rooney, uh, where should he be playing, if at all? On the bench. Yeah, that's from a United fan as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the talk that he's not going to be playing in the next game, you know. Um. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. But then, then there's a talk about who becomes captain, and you know we're just talking about Henderson now. I think I think he could settle in quite nicely there. I really do. And do we think he should play alongside Dyer? Hmm. Well, who else would there be? Who else are the other options? Uh, Dyer? I mean, Lallana can play there. Milner. Milner. I don't Milner. know. Milner. Milner. Is he? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> he's not even older, is he? But he's not <laughs> <No>. enough. <laughs> he's busy playing, playing left-back for Liverpool. Um, yeah. Drinkwater's not in the squad. Not in the squad, okay. Essentially, it's Dyer, Henderson. Um, yeah, not a lot of choice no there, is there? I'd put Dyer there, then. Yeah. yeah. So why, why, why would he play Rooney at um, central defensive mode? Seriously, if you're going to play him that, it's just not the one. Where he, sp- he spread the ball wide a couple of times with his Hollywood passes, but, I mean, mm. that's about it. Yeah, yeah, you can't play Rooney there. The one saving grace of playing Henderson alongside Rooney is that Henderson can do all the running for Rooney, uh, which Rooney doesn't seem to do. Um, I once heard Henderson described as Steven Gerrard's portable battery pack, which I thought was slightly <laughs> hard. But um, it kind of felt like that yesterday because Rooney wasn't really doing anything. So yeah. Dyer will be more energetic and also probably sit more to let Henderson go forward. 100%. So Because Rooney essentially played Cam anyway because he was getting forward blocked. Um, but I, I guess against Malta, that's not really a problem. He was caught in possession a few times. Um, yeah. I want to move on. not meant as well. Yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> I want to move on to Sturridge because the striker situation, we, we're not exactly <coughs> lacking quality strikers. Um, and Southgate started Sturridge against Malta. Did we like him? I think um, 
Sturridge, he performed okay in the game. I mean, he scored a goal, so you can't really argue with that. That's what well. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you ask for your strikers. But I think it's more important to look at who is missing. I mean, obviously, Kane was out, and um, I think Kane comes in straight away ahead of anyone else. But it was interesting that he didn't start Vardy or Rashford because either of them could have quite easily started ahead of Sturridge. Mm. Um, but no, he performed okay. He scored a goal. So. And both Vardy and Rashford did come on as subs, but yeah. Rashford played wide. Mm-hmm. Um, do we, you obviously, as a Man United fan, you've seen Rashford playing wide a lot. Yeah. Um, do you think he's better there than in the number nine role? I, I do actually. Or at least you know there was a lot of talk last year. I remember with Martial as well. You know, was he a wide player? Was he a striker? But no. Every time Rashford gets it on the wing, you get excited. And you can see the the nervousness from the fullbacks. I think he. I think he's great on, on wide because he can come in. He can link up play with the striker. You know, with with Ibrahimovic and and the same for England. I think it's great on the wing. I really do. Okay. Um, Vardy hasn't been in quite as good form this season as last season, obviously, but he still looks like a good player. Do you think he has a place in the England squad and will he play? 100%. Um, to say, you know, does he have a place in the squad? You know, he's pretty much the second best England striker last year, probably just behind Kane, but both of them, two of them were um, fantastic all season. And, um, you know, to automatically say we need to start storage ahead of it, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't make much sense to me. Um, so I definitely think he's got a um, place in the squad. And I'm sure, you know, with the, in the qualifiers, we'll win most of the games anyway. So you can always give these players a run out and give them a chance. I think with Vardy, like, the question you should consider really is, will he be as good as he is now in two years for the next World Cup? You know, I think England should look more to the future mm. than just, you know, getting good teams and, you know, they could play anyone. They could play me up front and still beat Malta. Mm. So why not try and... They should play Rashford. Rashford's a start and play nine minutes every England game, in my opinion, because yeah. he is the future. They should get all the players that are going to be playing in the World Cup together and just try and play the same 11 for like the next sort of three three games or something. Just mm. you know, try and get some consistency in it. You know, All the most successful teams, on the most part, you know, it's all about all consistency. Look at Leicester. I think they hardly changed their starting yeah. eleven all last year. I remember when Villa used to be good a long time ago. We only used about fifteen players in one season. So I think there is a correlation there. England should sort of consider that. Yeah, it's a good point because Vardy's twenty nine now, isn't it? Yeah. So he'll be thirty one. Yeah. When's he going to um, lose his pace? Yeah, it's a good question. I think from the way I'm looking at it, Sturridge is our most talented striker. But that doesn't mean he's our best striker because I think Kane is better than him. Because mm. yeah. Sturridge goes through patches of form and obviously fits an injury um, that you can't. I don't think you can quite yeah. rely on. Um, and Kane, as Harry was saying, Kane is a young player as well. Yeah. He's still 23, 24, isn't he? something like that. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to pick up on is Sturridge loves a Cruyff turn. Did anyone else see this? He did two or three in the first half, um, and only one of them worked. <laughs> I picked up on that. Um, Joe Hart played. I know it's very hard to imagine him playing because he only made one save in the whole game. We barely saw him. Um, do we think he should be starting? Do we think he should be in the squad? Anyone got any opinions on that? I think he's been doing quite well, haven't he, in um, Italy? Mm. Like, BBC are picking up on that. <laughs> doing the odd story. But, yeah, I, I don't see the others particularly. Like, their form, it's been fine, but has it been better? I couldn't. I reckon Pickford should be given a chance. Like like I was saying before, like the future. You know, I know Pickford's only had like one good game, mm-hmm. but 
still, why not? You know, you mentioned he only made one save. Why not just give Pitt for the chance? He'll appreciate it much more. How old is Joe Hart now, do you know? He's still, he's still probably playing the next World Cup. 30, yeah, but still, you know. Don't know if Southgate would change that much in, in all in one go, though, because yeah, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't think I can agree with, with, with picking Pickford. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we are actually blessed with some good goalkeepers at the moment. Obviously, as Southampton fan, you know, Fraser Forster, I think he's great and could yeah, could yeah, easily replace Hart. And on top of that, hopefully, when Butland gets back to fitness, he's there as well. We we are, we do have a good selection. That said, Hart's performed quite well in Torino and he was fine for England, made a save, did his job. So It's interesting that for Torino he makes a lot of saves because they're very, they play very expansive football so they get caught in the break quite a lot. Mm. Um, but he kept his composure well, uh, having not done anything all game. Yeah. Um, and that's what you need from a goalkeeper in a game mm. like that. Um, I want to pick up on Deli Alley because he had a pretty good game um, but should have scored three or four. Uh he is obviously a very good player and has a very good relationship with Kane once Kane is back in the England squad. Um, everyone likes Deli Alley, or do we think anyone else should be playing ahead of him? No, he should be playing, definitely. Yeah, put him in. One of your first names on the team sheet. Absolutely. Okay, uh, Adam Lallana was missing through injury, I think. Do we think he will start? Because he's obviously in great form for Liverpool under Klopp. Uh, he's one of those players who's been transformed this season. Talk about that a lot with people like Sterling, but Lallana has been great. Do you think he'll? I think it just depends how he set up the midfield because it seems like all our midfielders, um, hens and aside, are like specialists. They're either a defensive midfielder or attacking midfielder. It depends the way it shapes up. It might depend on who you're playing as well. Yeah. So but I think Deli Alley's ahead of Lallana in my opinion. Yeah. The so. the one question I want to ask is we play Lallana on the wing quite a lot. For England, um, is that what we want to see? Because I thought uh, our two pretty pacey wingers against Malta worked quite well, and it's sort of what we were lacking at the Euros. So, do we think Lallana can play on the wing for England, or do we not want to see that? Well, it depends what you want from him, really. Because um, as I was saying earlier in the podcast about our lack of wingers or the way it didn't work at, at the Euros. Um, it's a shame, really, because Lallana might be playing really well, but as you say, he's not got the pace, say, that Sterling does, or even Townsend on the wing. And I think, depending on the opposition, it's really important um, who you want to play. If, you want, if you've got slow defenders in the opposition, you know, we want Walcott, we want Sterling, we want people to take on the pace. But in a maybe a more tightly contested game, I think Lallana would be a really good pick. Okay. Um, that's just about it for England. So we'll take a break. And uh, we'll start talking about Wales and a few other of the home nations. All right, we're back. Um, we're going to talk about Wales now. Harry is our resident Welsh person. Um, <laughs> Wales had two, two draws, one against Austria and one against Georgia, um, one being better than the other. Do you want to tell us your thoughts on those games? Yeah, so Austria was a decent result, to be fair. 2-2 away and, you know, missing Ramsey. So, um, and Bale actually had a quite quiet game as well, apart from, aside from his Roy Delap-esque throw-ins. <laughs> just, just demonstrating how he can literally do anything. I actually reckon if we played him in goal, he would, like, um, do a decent job. But anyway, um, mentioning goalkeepers... 
the Austria keeper made one of the best saves I've seen this year in the first, I don't know if you saw it, from Bale's header, actually. It was just like Gordon Banks-esque. So I just wanted to give that a mention. Um, as I said, yeah, it didn't play very well, but dragged out the result. So, you know, um, the goals, they couldn't be more different, really. Joe Allen's absolute screamer, yeah. left-footed volley. And then the... Um, the Marone goal is pretty hilarious. James Chester almost got on the goal score sheet. But um, this was yeah. a this was another game where we could have played our three Premier League players scored guess who game because it was Arnautovic with two Joe Allen and a Vimmer goal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and then okay, so Georgia obviously wasn't a great result, but I think you need to give them a break. Really, apparently I heard there was booze. After the game from some of the crowd, and I think that's a bit disgusting, really. You know, you got to give them a break. There was no Ramsey or Allen this time as well, so they forced to play four four two, which isn't really how we want to set up. We want to set up five at the back. It's just how the best way to um, for us to play. Um, their goal was a bit of a mistake by Neil Taylor, perhaps being a bit solitary because usually he has Ben Davis there yeah. with him, so it's like having two left backs. Um, so I don't I, I don't want to place all the blame on Taylor, but I think Coleman said got it right after the game. He said it was like a slap around the head, sort of brought us back, back to earth, out of dreamland, you know. So and it makes the next two games really interesting against Serbia and Ireland, the two other decent teams in the group. So it's you know nothing and to worry about. So the uh, the two teams above you currently in Group D, so they'll be pretty important games. To exactly, yeah. It'll be good battle. Um, the Austrian manager said that Wales were lucky at the Euros. Do you, can you see? Ooh. It sounds harsh. Um, can you see? I love to substantiate. Like yeah. How can you see Wales facing sort of a tougher test now that teams are going to take them more seriously? Hmm. Perhaps. How do you mean? Well. This season, Leicester have been struggling a bit more because teams have realised, oh, maybe we shouldn't just press them and then give Vardy 30 yards to run into. Um, so teams will sort of figure out how to play against Wales, perhaps, and set up more defensively against them. They think they're more of a threat, which they are, because Wales are a good side, which teams are now beginning to realise. Do you think they're going to struggle breaking teams down more this from now well, on? It's not really the way Wales play. They don't really play this sort of possession football. You know, they don't try and break teams down. It's more like an oomph. You know, Gareth Bale just making some run, or you know, it's not really the way we play. So I don't think it should affect it too much. The Georgia blip was primarily down to us missing Ramsey and Allen and having to alter the whole shape of our team. That's what I'll pull it down to, and a bit of complacency, obviously, taking early lead. You know, no, you know. So that's what I put this one blip down to. I don't think you should, we can read into much else at the moment. Um, yeah. One thing I will say that I like about Wales is Coleman's philosophy that they are a team and that Gareth Bale is just another player because mm. he has a lot of pressure at Real Madrid to be one of the big players, star yeah. players every week. Um, so it must be a nice break for him playing for Wales, having that team mentality that maybe he doesn't quite have at Real Madrid and um, you know getting getting a rest from all the pressure so I, don't, I wouldn't say he gets a rest from the pressure because if anything he's more 
pressurised the form of Wales, in my opinion. But I know what you mean. Um, in the other aspect, there is less pressure because everyone lo- loves him anyway. And he's really humble, isn't he? He's absolutely great, Bale. He, it's, he's totally humble. He doesn't treat any game any different, if you know what I mean. So He also has a six handicap in golf. Yeah. For anyone who is wondering. Um, <laughs> I want to round up some other results from the home nations. Uh, Ireland beat Georgia 1 0. Uh, they did what Wales could not do with a Seamus Coleman goal. Um, they've now won all eight of their games against Georgia. Um, and they're now playing without Robbie Keane, which is quite a big loss for them. Mm. Um, Robbie Keane is a similar, I, I don't want to say he's a similar player to Rooney, but it's a similar idea that Rooney will essentially finish his career as England's top goal scorer. Robbie Keane is Ireland's top goal scorer. But Ireland love Robbie Keane, and we hate Wayne Rooney. <laughs> so that's an interesting parallel. Um, Northern Ireland beat San Marino 4-0, which is fairly routine. Scotland drew one all with Lithuania, which is a, it's a bad result for them. Um, could have been worse. Yeah, could have been a lot worse. Uh, but that does put England top of Group F, uh, two Ooh. points ahead of Scotland. Um, Ireland... Then went on to beat Moldova 3-1 with goals from Long and McLean. So mm-hmm. that's a good result for them. Um, Ireland are in pretty good form, actually. Mm. Um, they are joint top of Group D with Serbia uh, ahead of Wales um, and coming up to that game against Wales, which is going to be a pretty big one. Um, do we like Ireland? Yeah, no. Pretty good. Good yeah. to watch. Decent team. I think it's tough for Scotland currently to watch the success of teams like Ireland and Northern Ireland and not be quite experiencing the same... Um, I'm sure they'll bounce back. I think if Scotland were quite hopeful after that, I know, again, it was only Malta, but after they won 5-1, they were quite hopeful. So to come back to Lithuania and to play at home and scrape a draw late on, that is mm. must be quite um, disappointing, really, for Strachan and for the fans as well. Yeah. I think there were some boos there as well. Yeah. So. Mm. Um, I want to finish by asking you, obviously the England manager situation is a bit of a mess at the moment. Um, Gareth Southgate has won his first game. Or before that he has in charge. Um, who do we think is going to be the permanent England manager? I'm going to ask you first, Nathan. Ralph Rangnick. Interesting. Okay. I agree. I think it will be um, him. He's a very interesting bloke as well. Um, Wikipedia him. <laughs> Director of football at RB Leipzig, yeah. one of the most hated teams in the Bundesliga. Um, he's an interesting choice. He's also a good Formula One driver. He did like a test lap in a Red Bull car and he only came 14 seconds later than Ricciardo. <laughs> yeah. That's impressive. So, uh, yeah. Nancy, who do you think is going to be England manager? I think they might stick with Southgate. Like, rebuilt from absolute destruction that has happened after our guys. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think Gareth Southgate has got it as long as he doesn't go crazy and lose his following three games. Um, I think he's, he's just a safe pair of hands that the FA need right now. Um, he's good with the media and he's not going to... Is he good with the players though? That's mm. the question. I don't think he is. I think he ticks all the boxes apart from the most important one, his man management. Like I don't think he'd be able to handle the egos in that dressing room. He's a good under-21 manager because they'll proper respect him mm. but I can't see him being on top of that dressing room. He seems like a nice guy, doesn't he? Exactly. Yeah. 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 He's sound uh, bloke, isn't he? Sort that out. In my opinion, in England is not what they need. At this stage, you know, we are a bit of a laughing stock. I think Ranyuk comes in with 
very little of the media and public knowing anything about him, knowing who he is, what he's done. Um, he was in charge at Schalke when they played United in the semi-final, but really there there isn't much to um, against him going against him at the moment. I think it'd be an interesting choice and something that we could look in and go, okay, let's go for it. Let's just give it a go. Okay. Thanks, guys. Uh, you heard from Nathan, Harry, Nancy, and myself, Dan, for this of the Redbridge Sport Podcast. Week two will be back next week when the Premier League returns. Thank you.